Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to the RPG Show. My name is Brent. I'm your host. This is the show where we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. With me today, I have two guys. First, we have Glenn, Nacho Man Savage. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. The other guy. You should have been like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't. He left, like he just dropped it and walked away, so it's fine. The guy talked without being introduced. Well, that's Nick Clever Girl Ganner. How you doing this afternoon, Nick? Feeling pretty clever. Well, you're quite witty. Less like a girl, though. Mm, you always be uh, feminine in my eyes, Nick. Is that what you tell all the girls? Just you. Well, you know how to make me feel special. Uh, well, guys, we have a big show ahead of us. We have E3 news. We have the Mage Fest semifinals, which we'll get to in a minute. But as some of you will remember, we got a review last time from a guy named Kelvin's. Well, me and Kelvin's have been talking back and forth, and he is the host of the Is It Worth It show on the Retro RPG Show feed. Like, the Retro RPG Show is a show by uh, Derek and Don. It's a really good show. Everyone should listen to it. But they should really go listen to Kelvin's Is It Worth It podcast. Because what he does is he goes and he uh, talks about really obscure or rare titles um, talks about the game, what it entails, and then basically breaks it down. Is it worth the money that you put into it to collect it? It's a really fascinating show. I'd already been listening to it, believe it or not, when uh, he sent me the email. I was like, oh, man, that's one I already like. That's cool. So uh, go give that a listen. Yep, it's very good. All right. with We won't dawdle on that too much. Let's move on to E3. Now, E3 is still, still going on, so... Uh, more news may come out of it, and you know we may be. This show might come out after something else has been announced or whatever. And a lot of these are just announcements. We don't have a lot of details. They're mostly just like teaser trailers and stuff like that. And we're just we have a long list here. We're just going to roll through them. We're going to give brief opinions on them. So you know I don't want a three-hour show. Let's uh, just keep it clear. The big one, the one that the internet lost their collective shit over. Yep. Is we got the Fallout 4 announcement. Yes, we did. Now, as a f- person that's not necessarily a fan of the Fallout series, explain to me why I should be excited about Fallout 4, Glenn. It is... Ah, it's it's open world. There's There's not really much of a limit on what you can do. Like, they've shown off the building, which if you've ever played some of the survival games, it'll look very familiar to that. You can build your own base, set up defenses, trade routes, hire vendors, all sorts of fun things. Gun customization looks utterly ridiculous. You can change stocks. You can change barrels, focusers on lasers. Um, power armor has been upgraded to have like a jet pack, and you can customize that. Just there's, there's so much customization into this game. And it's, it's a Bethesda game. So, you know, the storyline should be good. Now, granted, the main stories of, say, Oblivion and Skyrim weren't exactly the greatest. But Fallout 3 had a pretty good storyline, and Fallout 4 hopefully will follow in its footsteps. All right. I've heard that it's, like, so massive that the director hasn't even, like, doesn't even know everything that's in it or something yet. It's, it's, I think it's less that, and more some of it is, like, procedurally generated. So, he, like, things will pop up that he didn't really expect, I think is how that's supposed to go. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well... Square Enix had a big year at E3, even though they were talking about they weren't going to have a big year at E3. They yep. first the big thing they announced we we're getting Kingdom Hearts three. Now that's more action RPG than our typical fare around here, but it's Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts. Whether you love it or hate it, they're really fun games, and people should really give them a try. Like I know it's Disney and it turns people off, but 
they've been really fun, especially the first two. I haven't played too many of the the mobile portable titles, but at least the mainline games are really interesting and fun. Yeah, I love them to death. When I first got Kingdom Hearts, like I got it as a present, and I didn't think too much of it, like because you know Disney, it was I was like, oh, it's gonna be a kids game, and I just one day sat down and played it, and I I just I loved it. It was so amazing. And the new the new stuff looks cool. Like it looks way more open than the old ones were. Like the old ones are very much on rails. And looking at the gameplay from Kingdom Hearts three, that looks a lot more open than the previous titles. Yeah. And. After that, they basically, they cashed in all their cards. And they, they pushed the big red button. They pushed the big red button. They hit their oh shit button. Like, they broke they broke glass in case of emergency, because we're getting a Final Fantasy VII remake. Like, a full-on remake. Not a remaster, a remake. Now, yep. this does two things for me. First, it gives me a rock-hard boner. Second, it gives me a rock-hard reverse boner. Because not only is it awesome, but it's also incredibly terrifying, because I'm worried about them changing too much. Like, all I want, because I start seeing footage and, like, I hear those first opening notes, like, you hear, like, you're waiting the footsteps for Eris to come across the busy street, you know? But it's voiceover, they're lines from that weren't in the original game, like, and that kind of stuff makes me nervous. When they start adding, every time they've added story to that universe, it has not gone well. And if they just leave it alone and just make it look pretty, then everybody will be happy. And I feel like a lot of Square Enix's reputation rides on this because it's one yeah. of their best-selling titles ever. They've hit the button. Now, if they fuck it up, they will completely ruin like a very large subset of Square Enix fans. Like They will yeah. completely turn them off from every Final Fantasy game that's going to come after. This is, this is either going to be one of the greatest things Square Enix has ever done, or it's going to be one of the worst. So... Well, this is definitely one we'll keep a watch on, and we're going to put all these the the YouTube links to all these trailers on the blog post for the show. So if you go to podcast at the uh, or not podcast, that's the email address. If you go to therpgshow.com and look at the latest blog post for the show, it'll have all the YouTube links there for you. Now, next one: Mass Effects Andromeda. Tell me about that, Glenn. So there's actually not too much information on this one. Um, it's still it's not even coming out till uh, 2016. Uh, we do know that this is an entirely brand new galaxy, the Andromeda Galaxy. You can choose between male or female, just like the original Mass Effect. You are going to be human, and there is a new and improved Mako that looks so much better than the original Flying Brick. Well, I mean, do they have to be aerodynamic ships? Well, the 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 original Mako was it's a terrestrial vehicle. Oh. Yeah, it was a, it was a. Uh, it was an uh, infantry fighting vehicle, but like this thing, it could drive up vertically, but its handling was crap, and this one looks to be so much better. I've, collect- I've played collectively 10 hours of, of Mass Effect. I do want to point out, out something funny with the trailer. The, uh, at the end of the trailer, it says that it was in-game footage, but then the devs said that that's what they were aiming for. Well, that just means it's pre-development. It means they haven't actually finished developing assets for the game and done any testing. So yeah, it's, but then don't call it in game yet. <laughs> well, it just that was a mix-up somewhere between marketing and I know, I know. I just found it funny and development, and you know that so, happens. Also, the character in the trailer is not the character you're playing as. It's actually a character in the game, though. Yeah. All right. Now another title that. I'm pretty excited about it, and my wife's excited about it, is the new South Park game, The Fractured Butthole. So, um, and it's supposed to be more of the same thing, but superheroes this time, really? Is that what I'm getting that, out of it? That's what it looks like. Um, we didn't see any actual gameplay other than, you know, like Cartman talk about how much better it's going to be and all that. But um, all we really know at the moment is, at least as far as I know, is that it's going to be superhero. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we also got news that the new Star Ocean game will be making its way to the United States sometime in 2016. So we can keep an eye out for that. So that's good news for Star Ocean. I like the I like the way the com- the combat's coming along so far. Tell it's me about real it. real time, right? Yeah, it's like because the, the trailer that I saw, like the characters are walking through like some church or something, and there's some monsters just hanging out on like this large, like I don't want to say altar, but it's like a large, like just flat yes. thing. Um, and they just kind of like they walk up, pull out their weapons, and go to town. Like there's no like 
cut. There's nothing. It's just right away going into combat. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'll play it. Let's do it. Uh, next up is Cyberpunk 2077. Now, this is uh, definitely one we haven't gotten a lot of information on, but uh, they're they're keeping it pretty close, and they're saying they want to wait till 2017 to give us more info. And it's hard to say if they actually came to the show with info or not, you know, because they, I believe they're, um, they came up not long after we got to Bethesda the, had their thing. Yeah. yeah. They, the developers pretty much said, yeah, we're just, what they, what they said is they do not want to reveal information until they have something as good as Bethesda did with theirs, right? Where when Fallout 4 was announced, they had so much that they could show so many awesome things and Cyberpunk 2077, the guys who did Witcher, they want to be able to do that too. Yeah. And that's cool. I mean, I get that. We saw the same thing at last year's, was it last year or the year before, where Microsoft had such a shitty uh, presence that Sony was able to actually change things they had announced previously and be like, ha-ha, you don't have to do this, and everybody's yeah. super excited about it, you know? So they, they, That was like, what, the Xbox One announcement or something like that? Yeah. And Sony's, Sony's like, here's how you trade games on the PS4, and they hand it to the other person. <laughs> Yeah, they, they so stuff like that happens, and I, I, had a field day. I'm sure if somebody came to the to E3 with information on Cyberpunk 2077, but then Bethesda had such a huge showing, and they just said, you know what, next year is our year, because if they come out and had a lackluster showing after Bethesda, they, that's, it. that's it. They would have had nothing, and all their all their cards had been played, you know. So yeah. it was a good call. Still, I do want to say, these are the guys who made Witcher 3. They're freaking fantastic. Yeah, they're good. And they made, I, I still believe they made the right, like, PR choice on that one. Like, yeah. keeping us waiting for more information. Because those that are interested will be super pumped when we start getting information. And when they do give us a wealth of information, you know, Fallout will still be a thing. But it won't be such the hot topic that it is, yeah. you know, this week. Uh, next up, we have the Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem crossover. The game that looks so <laughs> Japanese, it's generic. I mean, oh my god, it's Japanese. And you know, both those, man, both those series right. have such great titles. And yeah. this crossover just it it confuses me. It's it's like, and it, individually, both series are fantastic. Together. Ah, I don't know. Well, I think I would like the crossover to go the other way. Let's put Shin Megami Tensei characters in Fire Emblem. That way, they, I can let them die and never have them come back. Well, see, like that's the thing. Like to me, that mid, that would make more sense based on because I'm assuming they're kind of going a Persona route with that, since there is several different types in the Shin Megami universe, and it would make more sense for the Persona people to go into Fire Emblem than vice versa. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, whatever. Uh, next is Sword Coast Legends. Now, I have some things to say about this. Uh, this is basically a four-player co-op game managed by a human DM. So it's basically um, they 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 don't have as many switches to flip as say a normal DM would in any particular game. And I'm kind of turned off by the fact that you play pre-made characters like you don't have any character customization. But I feel like it is a stepping point for something that could be greater. Because, like, I'm an idea man. So, everybody listen. Like, hear me out here. Imagine, like, a map maker tool set. And not, like, the kind of crap that you get for a virtual tabletop. This is something, like, you would get that would come on the back end of, like, a game like, like a Skyrim. You know, where you have you know, the ability to modify world maps and do yeah. all this stuff. And you do that, it runs a server, and then there's, like, a client and, uh, like, DM side, right? And the DM is basically flipping switches and allowing sort of these things to happen as the players interact with the world, right? So, like, at each step, the, the human can allow certain things to come across in real time, whether that be through voice, text message, predetermined, like, answers, items. Like, the DM can set this all up ahead of time, right? And they're interacting in real time with this story that the DM has created. And I think... And you're allowing player customization. So it's basically... Um, I think that's a better like this is this is a stepping stone towards that, but I want that final thing so bad 
Like, I can't even... Yeah. I mean, this this reminds... This is, to me, very much a prototype. Like, exa- I think the next step would be exactly what you described. This is just making sure that the fundamentals are in place and that they work. Yeah, so, I mean, and... And just imagine this, right? Like you want you want this experience. You want like a a a story told to you, right? And it would probably end up having to be more short form than than long form, right? But just imagine you sit down to play the game. You don't have to know these people, right? You might know the people you go in with, but you don't know the DM. The DM never really interfaces you in a, with you in a direct manner. They're sort of behind the scenes, you know. Like, you just sit up, you press a button to queue in, and you're put into the next story. Or you join, like, a lobby, and you pick one. Like, it's not, like, you don't have to do this whole, like, set up a group to play with thing. And it's sort of just like, go, 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 because the person feels like playing DM, they just go on, they list their game as active, people join, and they do their thing. And then you get, you know, people that, especially DMs that become popular, right, like if they have an ongoing story being told, then of course there's people that are, you know, added to a wait list or yeah. like there's very specific people that can get into those, you know, like it creates this whole nother dynamic where it even creates opportunity for content makers in that sense to make money. Right. Like they could say, you know, that like a really good DM could charge a certain amount per session, like a dollar, dollar ninety nine per session. And people would pay it if that DM's good at providing them with a, a unique experience and storytelling something every time, you know? And I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen. Now, Neverwinter Nights did something, some of the original one, not number two, did some similar things, but it was never in real time to my knowledge. No. Um, so we'll have to see where this goes. This uh, I don't remember the release date on it, but it is relatively soon, at least within the next year or so. We'll see how it goes. And it is directly associated with Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons & Dragons. So you'll see, if you're familiar with Dungeons & Dragons and the character archetypes there, they will be present in this game. Just throwing that out there. Um, Next, we have Kingdom Come Deliverance. Now, I don't know anything about this. Tell me something about it, Glenn. So I actually just learned about this a few minutes ago. Um, Kingdom Come Deliverance is a... 15th century RPG. So this is no magic, no dragons, nothing like that. But it's Skyrim-esque. And the, the sword fighting looked very well done. Um, it's not like the kind of ghost swings that you saw in Skyrim where there was no real impact to it. Mm-hmm. This one does have a lot more real-time blocking and things like that. Mm-hmm. The real thing with this, though, is the, scale, the large-scale battles look just utterly massive. Like some of the ones they showed, I mean, there was probably a hundred people per side. It looked very good, especially for a Kickstarter game. This is a Kickstarter funded game. All right. Now, how do we feel about Kickstarter presence at E3? Personally, is they can make a good showing. I'm fine with it, but it requires a good deal of money to get in E3 and set up a booth. So why isn't that money going towards developing the game? Well, I mean, part of the money that you're donating, you have to understand, is going to have to go to PR in some way, shape, or form. Now, as long as they're they're um, transparent with this, and they'll be like, hey, some of this money is going to go to marketing at E3, then I have no issue. Now, if they say, you know, we will not have an E3 presence, and then they do it anyway, that I have a problem with. But as long well, as they're upfront about it, I don't care. There are some titles that if they have enough... Uh, like consumer hype for like E3 will give you a spot, right? You know, it's, but you have to have that level of no notoriety. Yeah. You know? Cause you know, E3 is not going to charge like Microsoft an arm and a leg to show up to E3. Well, about the thing about Kickstarter is you don't have to be broke to get on Kickstarter. Like you I can know. have backers already or like actual like investors and you're just going on Kickstarter for the extra, like, marketing buck or whatever you got to do. Like, I know, it's also as a marketing formula. I think that's a discussion for another day entirely. Like, how do we feel about people that can't afford to create a product using Kickstarter to fund a product? You know, that's that's another discussion we don't have to get yeah, into Yeah, we'd now. be here all day. Um, but that's basically it for E3 news so far. We're going to keep our eyes uh, open over the next few days as E3 keeps going. And on our next non-review show, Hello Train... I love the train. It's the Doom Train. 
It's coming to get us. Choo, choo, motherfucker. The perks of living next to a goddamn railroad track, I'll tell you that. Um, So that's basically, we'll keep our eyes open. You know, in our next non-review show, we'll we'll cover more news, whatever we've missed. Because there's really not time on a review show to, to cover news. As much as we'd like to fit all that in, I don't think anybody really wants to listen to us for two and a half, three hours. Like, that doesn't. But see, like I could probably talk about Fallout Four for two or three hours. So I mean, I'd like to listen to me talk for two and a half, three hours if you know what. I'm, yeah, we all know. I like to hear myself talk. To your own voice, so that was awkward, wasn't it? Oh well. Now we can move on to Mage Fest. Okay, this is what we're doing differently this time. Now the first round, or the preliminaries, or the whatever you want to call them, was basically very subjective, sort of uh, just goofy questions, like just having fun. And we're still going to try and have fun, but this is we, we try to add more structure going into the semifinals. And it's going to be sort of like pageant style, where each contestant comes up um, against another contestant. It's still like pairing off, and the, uh, the judge will choose from the two again, but it, they'll have a set five questions that are very much about that character, not how that character is better than the other. Okay? You'll see what we're talking about when we get into it, and you'll see how it's a little bit different. Uh, this will give us, especially listeners that aren't familiar with these characters, hopefully you'll have a better understanding of each of these uh, semifinalists before we move into the finals, which we'll have something very special for, I promise. Up first, we have Tella and Jean making Sir Nacho Man our judge for this particular engagement. Yep, bring it on. All right, so basically what the judge is going to do, since I don't get to be one this time because I have three uh, champions in this pool, uh, you're going to ask each of the questions in turn. You'll choose who can answer which question first. doesn't matter. And the point here is not to choose who's necessarily better or more powerful, but who's more deserving of being crowned uh, our Mage Fest champion. If you if you understand what I'm saying. Right. Okay. You get it, Nick? You got it? Good? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Glenn, start us off. All right, let's go. So, Brent, describe your character and summarize their history in 250 words or less. All right. Tella was the wisest, wisest sage in all of Mysidia and a master of all spells. After a tragic accident involving his magic, he retired to Kaipau. Um, he lived there for a while, had a wife uh, and a daughter. He soon found out that his daughter was going to be having a secret marriage to uh, Edward, Prince of uh, Dalmatia, I believe is what it was. And he basically started traveling to set, you know, he was very upset about it and was traveling there to stop that when he runs into Cecil and the gang and decides to help him stop Golbez. That's it. All right. Nick. All right. Uh, Jean, she's a mysterious room mistress. Nobody really knows her age, her origin or her past and all who try to find out and really never get any clues. Um, she has been around for hundreds of years, showing up in history books from all over the world. Her first known appearance, although she was already referred to as famous at that point in time, was in the Island Liberation War, where she was recruited by the Islanders um, to help them fight against the, uh, damn, the, uh, Ooh, the Imperial Factions or whatever. There you go. This is, this is Suikin and Four, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, then a few li- few years later, after they all they won, um, she shows up as a rune mistress in the Kuluk town of Haruna, where Kirill from the Tactics game recruits her to fight the patriarchal faction that they're fighting against. Um, then she makes her next appearance in the Kingdom of Falena during the Sun Rune War, where she was operating the rune shop in Sol Falena, which was the capital that the um, the kingdom or the queendom um, was originally ruling over before the Godwins kicked them out. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and the goblins try to use her expertise to, um, to kind of uh, manufacture sun, the sun ruin to the young princess, yeah. Limslea, um, but she's unable to do it. And because I guess in this 
game. She has uh, the ability to transfer specific runes from uh, like special runes that normally pick their owners um, to other people. Um, so she fails that and then goes on to join the prince in overthrowing the godwins and getting the, king- the queendom back. Um, uh, after that, um, she goes... Damn it, cat. Sorry, my cat's attacking me. So, hold on. Hi, kitty, kitty. Wow, meow, that, meow. That's, that's meow, meow. specific for a game. Yeah, I know. It's really weird. No, well, I mean, I we don't know if she can't. I don't think we actually know if she can transfer those runes or not. And we don't know if she was just unable or she didn't want to. I think in the game kind of hints that she didn't want to. Okay. If I remember correctly, but I'll clarify that with Nick when he comes back. So much for two hundred fifty. All, right. All right, I was just yeah. Just no, like, I lost count around like seven fifty. What you're accounting? No, you know, I was uh, I was saying that in uh, that's three. No, that's uh, five. So you can do five where she's the sun room, the sun room, the sun wars. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's actually said if she can transfer runes or like uh, she. I don't think it was necessarily that she was unable to transfer the rune. I think it's kind of hinted that she didn't want to and just claims that she couldn't do it. Um, Knowing Jean, that's a very distinct possibility. The cat's fucking attacking me again. Hold on. <laughs> oh, did, you st- uh, did you stuff uh, catnip in his socks? I would, I would like to introduce our third uh, host for the show, uh, Cat Mitten McStuffins attacker pants. Um, he would like to say hello and draw blood from Nick's legs because that's what he does. His cat's pretty awesome, though. I mean, let's be honest. Not really. His cat's kind of mean. Minnie's better. Bastion's better. But, you know. Alright, I think I'm okay. I think I'm fine. Oh! Alright, well... Um, well, Zaras, the chicken black who kind of teleports around mm-hmm. everywhere, like asks her if she tried to equip other ruins other than the Twilight Ruin, and Jane replies that she wasn't lucky with the Sun Ruin. So it's really, it is up in the air about it. Yeah. All right. Well, keep keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt and slow this down. Yep. That's all good. Um, eventually, after all, all that um, happens, she goes and um, goes north to the Scarlet Moon Empire, um, where she just runs a shop there because that's her thing. Um, and then after the Gate Ruin Wars, um, she moved on to Green Hill, um, to teach people there, which is weakened too. Um, after she fled that, 15 years later, she shows up in the Grasslands for the second Firebringer Wars. So she's kind of, as it's been stated, been everywhere. Okay. okay. All right. Next question then. Nick, what is your character's best trait? Chesticles. Uh, her charms, of course. Come on now. <laughs> Feminine wiles. She's got a plus 12 to boobs. I mean, in addition to the charm rune, but... Yeah. That's... Yeah, okay. Alright. Alright, Brent. What is my character's greatest trait? His that is correct. Uh, his wisdom, selflessness, and mastery of spells. But if I had to pick one, his, his wisdom. Because he tends to know uh, what is right even after, like, he, he accepts his own flaws. Okay. Alright. Uh, Nick, what is your character's weakness? Old age. Mm. I say that because I don't think it would, it would ever actually come to her, but I feel that if, she, if it did ever happen, she would not know how to deal with it. Yeah, and I think she spends a lot of energy trying to mask, like, how old she is and how long she's been around. Because she's very secretive when people ask her questions, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I imagine having your friends constantly die would be a downer on you. I don't think she forms friendships that easy, though, either. Not really. I don't think she's ever friends with any characters in the universe. She's just kind of there. I, and I think if most times you recruit her, it's generally out of, like, it's generally out of her interest in the situation. She's like, ooh, that sounds like fun or that's interesting. It's like it's almost as she knows that the hundred eight stars are gathering again, and she's like, "All right, well, let's just get this shit over." Yeah, she knows she's one of them, so she's like, "Okay, all right, all right, Brent." Uh, 
Tella's greatest weakness is his thirst for vengeance. He he tends to get a little hot-headed, and um, it can blind him sometimes. Okay. Uh, what is his greatest adversary, Brent? Golbez. Now, he did garner some hatred in the early towards Edward for secretly trying to marry his daughter, but he soon learns that uh, Gol- uh, not Golbez, Edward greatly cared for his daughter, and so much so that his daughter sacrificed her life to save him from Golbez. And Golbez ultimately, after Tella goes to reclaim his magic, um, he casts Meteor and sacrifices his own existence in the process to weaken Golbez so that Cecil and friends can can defeat him. Hmm, that's pretty impressive. Nick? Um, I'm assuming that any adversaries she's ever had are long forgotten and turned to dust. She doesn't really get tied to any of the campaigns in the game series. Um, she's more of a support role. Um, except in the plot of the fourth game, where she's or the fifth game, rather, where she's kind of tied into it. Not by choice, but she is her hands forced by the, the god ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just any adversaries she might have had, they're probably long dead. Well, let me ask this then. Instead of an adversary being an actual person, are there any, like, ideas she fights against? Like the concept of fate or the concept of something? I, I don't believe so. I think she kind of just makes her own path and ends up wherever fate dictates. Yeah, because see, Suikoden's a series that's sort of like fate and destiny is a reoccurring theme. Like, so much so that one of the key features of the game are the stars of destiny, and they always show up. So, and like we were saying earlier, that's sort of, she's like, well, she knows she's one of the, the 108. So when, you know, a situation occurs, she kind of realizes that she's going to be involved whether she likes it or not. See, that just makes me want to play Amalur and rip people's fates out and beat them to death with it. Well, that took a... That escalated quickly. Yeah. If you've ever played Amalur, you literally rip people's destiny out, turn them into a giant hammer and smash them with it. It's great. That's, that's basically what happens, yeah. All right. Brent, what is your character's biggest regret? Uh, not trusting Edward. Uh, marching off across the continent, trying to murder a man who was probably uh, the best person on the planet to care for and love his daughter. Okay, okay. Nick? That's pretty dark, man. Um, well, I would say that her biggest regret is having to hide her true for I mean, uh, letting her skin get pruny when she's taking a bath. Bravo! <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> Bravo! Uh, alrighty, so there's our five questions. So, uh, I'm going to have to give this round to Tella. Ooh. Um, he, 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 more human. Like, Jean, I, I feel like she doesn't have to try. She's more for, force of nature than an actual character sometimes. I can like, see it just, that. It, it, it's, I don't know. I, I just, I have to go with Tella on this one. I don't think Jean would really care to be the, the champion anyway. She'd probably be like, okay. We're done. Yeah, whatever. Let's get on with it. I'll try it again in the next century. <laughs> yeah, it's like next time it comes around, I'll be here. Whatever. Anybody want to buy any runes? Right. It's like, look at my chesticles. But don't. Yeah. That's, that's really funny. All right. Um, who is next? Let me mark Evie that. and Hawk. Let me mark that down as a win. All right. Vivi and Hawk. So. Sir Nikolai is up as the uh, the judge this time. All right. Um, Glenn, heads or tails? Heads. All right, you go first. Describe a character and summarize their history. All right. Hawk was born in the town of Lothering to Leandra Amel and Malcolm Hawk. Malcolm Hawk was an apostate mage from, on the run from the Chantry. Uh, which is basically the church in this world made magic is more or less illegal. Um, he had trained his eldest son, Hawk, as well as his daughter, who was the only twin who could do magic, before he died. 
And then Hawk, during the Fifth Blight, had to flee to Kirkwall, where he worked as a mercenary to pay off his debts. Um, since he was absolutely so ridiculously powerful, he started helping out around the town and eventually just built up, built up. He started fighting dragons. He pretty much single-handedly stopped the Kunari invasion. And he even took part in the civil war between the Chantry's Templars, their anti-magic forces, and the Circle of Magi. Eventually, he gets around to accidentally freeing a darkspawn named Corypheus, um, who he thought he killed, but he didn't really, and he swore down to track it down and kill it. Okay. All right, all right. Um, Brent, character, summarization, and history. All right, VV, uh, whose last name I won't try and pronounce right now, because that is a really weird name, uh, was created by Kuja as part of a program to create foot soldiers for the queen in her attempt to dominate the Mist Continent, okay? Now, Vivi is a little different because he's not only suggested, it's not only suggested that he's a prototype capable of lasting longer than the year lifespan given to the uh, more recent models of Black Mages created. He fell from a transport ship early on and was raised by the Ku race, uh, the same race that... Uh, Quina is in the game, the big creature that eats mage, things, guys. the blue mage, yep. And this is believed to have given him his emotional connection to the world and to life because the Ku are very um, friendly race. They, they, they love the world and all its aspects so much that they want to taste it, you know. Uh, and it gives him a very special bond to the world and the life that other black mage I did not have. Also, it is suggested that this is why he is more powerful than the standard Black Magi. All right. All right. Good to know. Now, what is his best trait? Uh, his magical prowess. Simply okay. put, because he is, uh, is often put that he is the most powerful Black Mage on that continent, whether um, he attempts to access that magic or not. Now that's that's putting summoning magic aside because summoning magic is a very specific thing in that world, but uh, just his control over magical forces is is impressive. All right, all right. What about Hawks? Um, Hawks' major thing is he always keeps an upbeat look on life. Um, like his style is that he faces threats with a fireball in hand and a joke in his mouth. Um, he's always trying to find some advantage some trick he can use to come out ahead. Okay. All right. Now, what would you say his weaknesses are? Uh, for all his glibness, he's always at the center of the great events. And as powerful as he is, some of these events are just far beyond any one person could ever do. Like, try as he might, he couldn't stop the Civil War because its roots just go too far back. And short of basically exploding the whole damn city, which he does kind of come close to doing, he can't stop it. He couldn't stop Corypheus because he didn't know about Corypheus. He tries, and he succeeds in a lot of things, but just some events you cannot stop. Okay, so he's got a definitely human element to him. All right. Yeah. Um, Brent, what is Vivi's greatest weakness, or his just weaknesses? Um, he's very naive, he's very trusting, and he wants to accept the best in people as he was raised and this trusting attitude leads him astray multiple occasions in the game, especially early on the poor guy, like the number of times he is just bamboozled and tricked, you know, because he, he wants to have friends. Okay. All right. What has been his greatest adversary? Necron. Well, he did hold a large amount of animosity against Kuja for creating him and making him this this terrible thing. Um, Necron is everything that Vivi isn't. Necron wants to destroy the world. He wants life and everything to end. And Vivi, especially in the last half of the game, realizes that every moment of life is precious, and no matter what it is, no matter who it is, it should be defended. And Necron is like the op. So much so, he's he's more opposite to to Vivi than he is the game's real protagonist, Zidane. So I feel like Necron's his greatest adversary. Okay, all right, I can I can see how you could do that. Um, Glenn, 
so Hawk's greatest adversary would probably have to be Corypheus, um, who's an ancient darkspawn. Uh, all of the other major enemies he fights, he does manage to defeat. He might not be able to stop the plot, but he can defeat them at least on one-on-one combat. Corypheus, on the other hand, is not a being you can beat like that. You can't just beat him down with raw magical forces. He does actually succeed in killing Corypheus. Corypheus laughs and resurrects himself and someone else and sneaks off. And he is sworn from that moment on to put an end to him and actually shows up in the next game as an NPC trying to do exactly that and can even end up sacrificing his own life to try and take him down. But yeah, definitely Corypheus would be his greatest adversary. That's pretty... He's pretty dedicated to that. Okay. Oh, he's pissed. I can imagine. Um, what... Does he have any regrets? Um, he has two. Uh, the first one is, is... I mentioned that he's not able to stop certain events. Well, the most personal one is his own mother's death. His mother was killed by a um, serial killer, and her head was attached to a corpse that was being a recreation of the serial killer's wife. And Hawk had all of these clues, but he just was not quick enough to save her. He gets just, he gets her at the last moment and manages to free her for just long enough for her to tell him how much she loves him before she dies. And I think he always kept the fact that he failed her when he when she needed him most. But also for having accidentally freed Corypheus and believing he had won that directly led to entire nations being wiped out. And I think he feels very guilty, and that's part of why he's so determined to take him down. Okay. Um, Brent, does Vivi have any regrets? Not having enough time to be with his friends. He, he, he goes on this grand adventure, meets Zidane and the party, and they, they quickly become the most important people in his life. And he realizes through the course of this the story that when this is all said and done, he's not, he doesn't get to, he doesn't get to live on happily ever after. Like he has a very definite, uh, expiration date and he regrets not, not being able to spend more time with his friends. Okay. All right. Um, I, uh, I think I'm gonna have to get, have to give it to Hawk. All right. The reason, reason being, um, if we're going off force of nature things, technically Vivi is a force of nature as well. Um, and I feel like Hawk um, faced more adversity and came through it. Um, I guess showing more of a what it's like to be human. And that's something, unfortunately, Vivi would be lacking as he is not a human. Yeah, and uh, being raised by a weird tongue, lick a tongue race is what the only reason that he like he feels things. So I can see that. On on an aside, is Vivi ever capable of tasting anything? <laughs> like, did he ever try that? Yes, yes. I don't, I don't. I think they make a joke of it, but they, there's no dialogue involved. Like you see him because there's a lot of times where you would get these cutscenes in that game showing what other characters are doing, and um, I'm pretty sure there's a couple where he's interacting with with uh, Quina, like trying to taste something, and it just he just kind of like hangs his head low. You know that Vivi <laughs> animation. Like, he's got no mouth. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that happened. If I could be wrong, but in my mind, that happened. And that would be great. Yeah. So I also had to take points away from Vivi because I hate Queen's Rays. Really? I love Blue Mages. I, I just hate... I just hate... If they were anything else besides what they are... Giant Lickitung people? I guess that's racist or whatever, but, like, just no. You never liked Lickitung? No. Best oh. Blue Mage ever, Kimari. No, best no. best blue mage ever is everyone in Final Fantasy VII. Because all you need is one materia, and you're a blue mage. Fair enough. I just love the Ronso personally. I hate Ronso. Oh, puny Ronso! They're they're assholes, man. Fuck that noise. All you, right. You would think you'd like them then. The different levels of asshole. Okay. All right. All right. Next is Vicky and Lezard Valith. Glenn, you are a judge. All right. We'll start with Nick this time. Describe your character. This one will be a lot shorter, I promise. Yeah, right, uh, Lezard. Fewer, Le- games, fewer games to go through. 
Yeah, well, it's only two, and he really doesn't play any kind of big role. Well, I mean, he plays a big role, but it's like the main character. Anyway, um, so Lezard is an accomplished alchemist as well as a practitioner of, in the dark art of necromancy. Um, behind his placid facade lies a mad genius who feels that all others are merely pawns to be played um, with on his own handcrafted chessboard. Um, he's very intelligent. He's also very arrogant, sadistic, scheming, manipulative, unstable, and extremely ambitious. He's got a natural thirst for power and knowledge, and coupled that with his obsession with Leneth, uh, led him to devise the most Machiavellian schemes to achieve both godhood and union with her, disregarding any consequences of collateral damage that may derive from his actions. Um, pretty much over the course of the games, he betrays, murders, backstabs, um, anybody and any uh, people that have like trusted him their whole lives, and he just knocks them out like it ain't a thing just so he can get one step closer to his goals. Um, and his grandest scheme was an attempt to capture um, and f- eventually fuse with the Valkyrie Leneth to become a Lord of Creation, which he unfortunately failed at. Now, to be clear, is this, is this person an antagonist or protagonist? Um, and you can't say both. A, he's technically the an, an, actag- an antagonist, but he's a party member. Okay. Huh. It it sounds like someone had a checklist of Mad Evil Wizard and just was starting to check things off. Like Pretty it's much. great. I love that. Pretty much. It's like any any evil fucking genius wizard thing you can think of, he's got it. He's got that shit on lock. <laughs> Alright, Brent, your turn. Okay. Vicky is from a magical place where space twists upon itself it is a, a magical land hidden somewhere on the continent. Now Due to this, she has the Blinking Rune, which she uses to travel and assist key figures across the world's history. So she shows up, just like Jean does, over and over and over again to assist uh, in these key historical events. So, I mean, there's no need to list the games like Nick did. You know, she shows up, you know, I think the first game in chronological order is four, then you have tactics, then... Uh, five, right? And so on and so forth. Yep, then one, two, three. One, two, three, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what is her best trait? Her ability to teleport. Sounds simple enough. Nick? Um, I would say Lezard's greatest trait is his genius intellect. And okay. I guess it's supported by his drive to just never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> I was waiting on that. All right. Uh, what is his greatest weakness? Uh, he's got tunnel vision. Like once he's he's set his sights on a task, he doesn't drop it, even if it's going to mean the end of him as he knows it. Because he feels like he can work find a workaround to any problems that come up, and he actually does in the first game. Um, if you if you get the best ending, the A ending, um, Lenith becomes the go- a god of creation and pretty much destroys the entire the, the universe and then instantly remakes it. Um, and they consider that to be the Ragnarok. Um, but he obtains a philosopher's stone and, un, un, and unlocks the powers of it. And before he is erased from existence and remade, he sends himself back in time. Um, I think it's like a hundred years or so. Um, I can't remember exactly. Um, but he does this because the Valkyrie, um, there's three Valkyries. They all share the same host. Um, each soul in them, there's the three souls wakes up at a different time. So the other ones can recuperate and hibernate. Um, so his plan is to go back in time to, um, kidnap the, the host body while there's another soul active and fuse with that one to become the Lord of creation. Okay. Uh, Brent. Uh, Vicky's greatest weakness is her tendency to teleport. <laughs> so her greatest advantage is her greatest disadvantage. Her her greatest uh her greatest asset is her ability to teleport. Her greatest weakness is her tendency to teleport. Well, you should say that um like it's undirected though. Like she can't control where she's going. That's why it's a tendency and not an ability. Okay, okay. So, like, when she's needed most, she might pop away. 
Um, that rarely happens, but she'll, like, say, somebody will run in, like, look at this pretty thing I just bought. And, it, it, oh, I didn't mean to do that, and it's lost in the ocean somewhere. <laughs> okay. Look at my pretty new kitty. And then it's teleported to the jungle where it quickly, quickly becomes giant bird food. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's also her greatest adversary? Her greatest adversary is dust, because she can sneeze and end up in a supernova. <laughs> Nick? Um, his greatest adversary is Len- uh, Lennis Valkyrie. That's who he's chasing, and it was ultimately is his demise. It's his prey. Okay. Uh, does he have any regrets? Um, I would assume failing. Because he dedicated everything. Once he walked on to uh, Lennis, he wanted nothing else but to be with her and be literally with her and uh he got close he almost managed to fuse with um the host body in the second game but was destructed by Lenneth coming out um and defeating him so he got friend zoned he was he was never even in the goddamn ballpark <laughs> okay uh, would you regrets? would you like to date a murderous psycho villain yes, yes. i don't think so whatever y'all have your own cup of tea then because fuck that uh, Brent? Uh, her greatest regret is not having a home to call her own. Like, she basically, she she finds happiness and then ends up in the next place where destiny wants her, you know? And where she's needed. And I think that as, as little... See, time hasn't passed for her in the same way it has for Jean. For Jean, she's lived all these years. She's lived all these days. But for Vicky... As soon as one adventure's over, another one starts, you know? And so it is, time. it is boom, 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 and it's nonstop. And eventually, I believe that'll wear on her. And, you know, she'll want, she'll find a place that she likes and then realize she can't stay there. Wow, all of my regrets are really dark regrets. And I think the worst <laughs> part is it's literally right when there's the banquet happening and everybody's about to dig in the food, she gets teleported away. I know. She just wants her banquet. Banquet. The poor, like, wait till we play circuit games. You guys, like, Glenn, you have no idea. Like, poor Vicky. Like, I feel bad I'm for getting, her. I'm every, getting that feeling. Like, I feel bad for her in every game she shows up. I mean, I'm glad to see her because that means I can fast travel. But fuck, it's like, hey, I know where you just were, and that's hilarious. I mean, occasionally she'll meet up with some old friends, so it's not all bad. Yeah, when she meets Jean again. Well, unlike Squeakin' in 1 and 2, you get returning characters. Yeah, well, that those you did. But isn't there an older Vicky in 2? Yeah, her time her time flow doesn't go chronologically with a storyline. No, it doesn't. It does not. So she, like, she'll have, like, there'll be, like, younger Vicky will be, like, in, old, like, older games. And then older Vicky will be in previous games. And, like, you'll get, like, young Vicky, old Vicky, and shit like that. Yeah, so it's hard to tell at what point in her life she's experiencing this because she could be experiencing the events of the first, like the first chronological game, you know, long before or the last chronological game, long before she experiences the, the, the ones of the first, you know, it's really okay. weird. Um, I'm going to have to give this one to Mr. Lizard. Yes. I mispronounced that. <laughs> um, because I, I, megalomaniac wizards just amuse the crap out of me. Okay. Like, and again, it goes back to that force of nature thing. Like, I, Vicky's far less so than the others, but still, it's like events happen to her. She doesn't make her own. If okay. that makes sense, Destiny kind of forces her hand on that one. Whereas, well, then every Sukadin mage ever will be screwed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Destiny and, and premeditated stuff. Nah, I don't like that. But but Lezard actually tries. Like he and makes progress. Okay. Alright. Uh, I will accept this as a thing. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I'm just glad my char- one of my characters made it. Yeah, we definitely did not plan to have one of each of us in the finals. Like, that's not... That just, it may seem like it, but it wasn't actually... It was pure coincidence. Like, yeah. hence, hence me having three characters in the semifinals instead of it being two, two, and two. So, um... But... As we're closing in on the finals, 
we would like to know what everyone thinks about the um the mage fest so far uh send us an email podcast at the rpg show.com don't forget to check out our friends kelvin's podcast over on the retro rpg feed what else we got oh we had a question we meant to ask last time and we didn't uh we'd like to know if you guys are interested in this is the show where Matt, i'm really just asking for some feedback from people i know we got listeners out there just you know spend five minutes send us an email i want to know what more you'd like to hear from us other than reviews like you know we have this off show we have to fill with stuff you know and we can do news but that comes and goes and that gets boring that's just a lot of us reading off a thing you know so we were thinking about doing doing some uh some real play stuff with tabletop so like if we set up an an rpg every now and then you know maybe play some dungeons and dragons some you know shadow run call thulu fate any of these and do a small session, record it, put it out on an off show as like a tabletop version. Um, would listeners be interested in hearing us do that? Uh, you know, it would it would be a, a substitute for an off topic. You know, it wouldn't put off any of the reviews any more than they already are. So send us an email, podcast at the RPG show.com. Tell us what you think. Also, next week, our review is coming up. Our review for Monster Seed. Has everybody been playing? Yep. I uh, played a little bit. I've been busy. How are you guys coming along? I'm not very far at all. I'm abusing, abusing walkthroughs to just make the perfect monsters instead of having to deal with all that bullshit. All right, all right. I haven't had a whole lot of time in. Uh, just a little insight into to Brent World. I've gotten uh, two promotions in the past uh, month, so I've just been <laughs> like kind of bastard. I've been kind of crazy around here, um, but I'll play it. You know, it's it's going to get done on time. I promise. We'll have a show next week. Unless the world ends, because the world ends, you know, we're going to get it done. Uh, You might not be able to. I'll try. Fair enough. There's that dedication from you. But I think uh, that'll do it, unless anybody has anything else they'd like to add. Fallout 4. Um, I'm really, I guess all i got to say is if we end up, people want uh, to listen to the tabletop thing, prepare for it to be very adults only. Yes, no. (laughs) Yes, very very not safe for work. Yeah, and if you are, uh, you have any proclivities to be offended by certain topics, don't. Especially if Nick's DMing, like because shit oh, gets dear r- Lord. shit gets rough. All right, and it's not also when I'm playing. Also when he's playing, as a person that is DM'd for Nick, I would like to just put this out there. He's the most difficult fucking player on the planet because it's just like no, we have to like I'm trying to get you guys to go explore. The mountain with the princess and the magical loot that will save or end the world, and you're like, I want to buy a hooker. Can I buy a hooker? You cannot put the hooker in the bag of holding. There it's, is no air in the bag of holding. And then it's like, well, now I have the hooker. I'd like to use her as bait for what? The dragon on the mountain. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> see, see, people think we're joking, but that's a very close thing that actually happened. So well, you got to tell the story right. What actually happened is like. Brent set up this scenario. We were like running down this um, like canyon and like out of this out of these holes, these caves on the oh, side. Oh, this. Oh, okay. These, like, I wasn't freaking... even referencing this, but yeah, tell oh, the story. That's what oh, I was the, the desert like, like, uh, rednecks. Yeah, the, the hillbilly things. Whatever. Yeah. Hillbillies, right? And desert like, they bellies. had apparently breeded so much that there were thousands of them. But we got the mom and the pop, and we got an encounter with them. And I took the mother hostage, and we got up to this like fort. Fort, fortress thing. Fortress with and, a skeleton holding a giant fire orb type yeah, thing. Yeah, and all around it was like just corpses and shit. So I'm like, alright, we'll use the mama's bait or whatever and like throw it in there and see what happens. And nobody agreed with me. And nobody agreed yeah. with me. Because they're playing good characters. There's a goddamn paladin in the party and he thinks they're just gonna let him throw a, a innocent thing well not really innocent but a person into some supernatural possible monstery situation and then he gets upset when they try and stop him and then he's just like what well, I, I cut her i cut her i scalp her i just scalp her like yeah it's yeah, like it I, I, we need to keep the party together you keep this shit up and you're just gonna be off doing your own goddamn thing you have to re-roll a character and then you just do the same thing over and over it's the most frustrating thing on the planet it's the most it's the most fun i've ever had i know i want to say if the, if the tabletop thing really does kick off, it is something I I personally would like to do on a more regular basis. Well, we we have to see how time works out because we're all pretty yeah. busy people. Uh, I I get that. It's just something I'd like. Yeah. No. It it I I think P 
people would like listening to it. But if we have enough listeners that aren't really interested in tabletop at all, then it may just be something we have to start up separately, you know? So that's why I want to garner uh, some some input. So uh, please send us an email. I have the email set up. Just send it to me. I read them all. Even if you're an asshole, I'll lick it. Just put it in the email, all right? You read, like, the one we got? Yeah, like, we got Kevin and Kelvin. That's all we really had, so. Oh, I thought you just did the review. Never mind. You did say you all were conversing, so. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm, I'm lonely in that email account. I need some shit there. Let's fucking do it, right? All right. I think all right, that's spam. Send, send Brent shit pics. Uh, shit pics? No, don't do shit pics. And I was in medical equipment long enough. I don't need any more shit in my life. I'm done with that. Oh boy. Anyway, I think that'll that <laughs> I think that'll do it for us. Say bye everybody. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the RPG show. If you'd like to participate in the discussion, send us an email at podcast at the RPG You can also visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com Want to get shouted out on the show? Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Each one counts and we love you for it. And for myself, Nick and Glenn, hope to see you next time. <laughs>